Thank you so much for tuning in to She's All Over the Place with Kiriaki. That's me. Welcome to She's All Over the Place. I am so excited to have you here. I have an amazing casting director on. And uh, because of you, we're in the top 2% out of almost 4 million podcasts. So make sure you like, subscribe, and share this with someone who's interested in the episode that you hear today. So we have Jessica Sherman, founder and president. Jessica Sherman is an award-winning seasoned casting director. She has been involved with casting some of film and television's biggest projects. A Los Angeles native, Sherman took a passion for entertainment and casting while studying at UC Riverside and has translated that passion into a successful career. She began her career under the mentorship of April Webster, whom I love, and was involved with Bad Robot, J.J. Abrams' project like Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Star Trek, Into Darkness, Super 8, and CBS's Person of Interest, and collectively later joined forces with Carlton Cuse and cast A&E's Bates Motel, which I love, and FX's The Strain. After hanging her own shingle in 2017, Jessica Sherman has cast several smaller budget films like Sundance Darling Slight and Tribeca Hit Thumper, including the Amazon limited series Tell Me Your Secrets, as well as the highly anticipated Disney Plus series Willow, and most recently, her work as a casting director on the Oscar award-winning short film Skin garnered her an Ardios Award. Wow, we're so lucky to have Jessica on the show today. We're going to talk about casting, tipsy casting, a cause for entertainment. So let's just dive right into it. So Jessica, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to, to dive into it all. I really appreciate you reaching out. Definitely, definitely. All the links will be in the show notes, but make sure you follow Jessica on all social media platforms. Okay, so you you're a Los Angeles native. Yes. And I then, never left. <laughs> all right, all right, yeah, smart. And then so you found your love through college that you wanted to jump into casting. So let's talk about like your early days and maybe for, you know, the young entrepreneurs on listening who might be, you know, actors or voiceover actors or maybe wanting to learn more about casting. Like, how did you find out casting director was a role? Honestly, that didn't happen until I was out of college. But for me, like I sort of intuitively thought I would be some sort of scout. Uh, when I was younger, when I was like still in high school, I was a really big music buff in addition to movies and television. My little town that I grew up in, like Lancaster, California, it was a very big like punk rock scene and all sorts of stuff. And I love music. In my like dream of dreams at that time, I thought it would be like an A&R music scout going to different shows and exploring different musicians. And I love that. It was sort of a little bit too unrealistic. And my parents are originally from Ukraine. Uh, I am the first generation American. We grew grow up thinking practical and stability. <laughs> and what I do now is neither of those things. So they're not particularly happy with me. But you know, for me, when I went to college, I um, studied economics and business to sort of tick the boxes for my parents. And on the way out, we had a friend of the family that she worked in international distribution. And I was like, well, if, if she can figure it out, like she first offered an internship, it didn't end up working out for whatever reason. But once I got that bug of like industry, because I never thought that it was a realistic thing because I was never connected to it. So when I finally got out here and had the exposure of like knowing that a friend of the family was in the business, I was like, I can figure this out. I'll do it like whatever it is. And so my initial sort of introduction to the industry, I interned at a different international distribution company. And then I also interned at a voiceover agency. And for me, yep, I know. <laughs> for me, that was my real exposure to work 
working with actors and falling in love to work with actors basically and what that all entails because as you know it's a very different process to casting voiceover which I have not had the pleasure of doing very often as a casting director but um, I worked at AVO Talent for two years and I loved the community of actors that were coming in and auditioning and it was just wonderful and I like this idea that I had had exposure to through that agency that, you know, it works differently in voiceover where the casting director releases the breakdown and the agent decides who's going to audition on their client list. So they have to know what these people are capable of to put them in the mix. So it was such a fascinating experience for me to be able to see that and then to listen to the auditions after they've come out of the booth or to sit in the booth. And I loved it so much. And I thought, wow, there's obviously got to be more to this world because I was talking to voiceover casting directors. And so that was my exposure to start looking into because I definitely knew I didn't want to be in the agency side of things. So um, I started looking at theatrical casting directors and sending out I basically did all the things that theatrical actors do of like sending out greeting cards and building a website and all those things. They didn't work for me because sort of in hindsight, I realized that I think those casting offices thought I was an actor trying to get in with them versus someone who was genuinely interested in a career in casting. But the last thing that I ended up doing was it and it took me about a year and a half to like really break into casting. But the last thing I ended up doing was crashing actor workshops to meet associates. And that was the thing the associate who was doing the class, he's no longer in the business, but he took me under his wing. He let me sit in on short films and commercial casting. And then finally, after like a year of working with him on evenings and weekends outside of my full time job, I got an opportunity, which I thought was going to be a job, but ended up being I had to quit my job and offer myself as a full time intern. But it worked out because it was I didn't know how long it was going to be. But they ended up hiring me after nine days. And then I was with April Webster, who gave me the internship along with Alyssa Weisberg for six and a half years, I want to say so wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, I, I love April Webster. It was a while ago 2005. But I tested for uh, doing it with uh, Kelly Osborne. So oh, yeah. yeah, it was between me and the girl who got it. Yeah, I, I have an infinity for her. But circling around to, you know, I do voiceovers and a lot of people who tune in um, are into voiceovers. And let me know if you think this is true or not. But w- what I hear in voiceovers is like, it, it's so cool voiceovers because you can be so wacky with all the characters. And like you mentioned, the community, it's like, it's different because it's not about how you look, right? Exactly. It's about like, how wacky can you be? And like, that's okay. And like, as a casting director, um, and then your experience, sometimes I've heard that it's really important to go big and make strong choices because the casting director, the director always know they can bring you down. But if you're playing too small, they don't know if they can bring you up and you have to really bring that energy to the mic. So does that sound familiar to your ears? Yeah, I think there is definitely the idea of making bold choices. But I think the thing there's a disconnect sometimes where it's like make bold choices for the sake of making bold choices, but you want to make bold choices that are in service of your character. So they've got to be intentional based on what you're working with. Because a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of those zingers of like make bold choices when the room doing like there's so many of those single like those phrases that you hear from like acting classes and all those things. And there's very often there is no context provided for those words. So I think that's like the big thing that I try to do is to provide as much context as possible. So you know what you're walking into. But yes, I think yes, make 
intentional and bold choices that service the character. If they're not, if the character doesn't match what the bold choices are, it's not necessarily going to make sense. But yes, if we can bring you down, that's best case scenario. Yeah, yeah. And then also, I want to touch upon, you know, because you were with the voiceover area, and then now TV and film. And in 2023, podcasting has become so huge. And there's all these podcast scripted series. And gratefully, I was hired on a couple of them. So it's like I'm a lead in a series, but in a podcast, but it's still if you feel like it's a TV show. Do you find that some have come across your desk? Or maybe you want to cast some of those in the near future? Yeah, I, I have not had the opportunity. I got very close to help out a friend um, who needed the support for whatever the instance was, but I got very close and I really wanted to try it out because I had never cast it before. I've only done like creature voices or stuff that we've needed for The Strain, which and Willow, we needed to, we needed our sort of like witchy woman or whatever it was. So that was really fun to sort of dive back into the world of voiceover, but I would love to do a scripted series that is a podcast. That would be so amazing. Neat. So hopefully if someone's tuning in, they can give that opportunity and bring it to you. That's so cool. Uh, what just came to me is uh, Fred. He's my director. He's the audio engineer at Realm.fm. They do like 30 podcast scripted series uh, mm-hmm. a year. They did Harley Quinn with uh, Christina Ritchie. They hired me in two uh, lead scripted podcast series. He was on the show, but I'm going to introduce you to Fred because he's a, oh my gosh, they have so, they have so many shows they're working on all the time. So Oh, amazing. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 1000%. So let's dive deeper into casting. So maybe one or two juicy stories of some experiences that you had that were really highlights for you that touched your heart in a way, or maybe something that was like, it was unexpected. And you didn't know how you were going to get through it. But it, it came out in such a way or it pivoted and, and it came out different. Yeah, I think, you know, there's so many of the the struggle stories. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, sort of just going to a really big one that is, you know, The Force Awakens. I was the casting associate on the sort of relaunch of the Star Wars franchise. And um, that was an incredible journey as a Star Wars fan. Like it was so amazing to be part of that team. But there's a lot of pressure to be part of that you know, because it was the first one out. We did, uh, we saw a reactor in LA that was right for the two leads at the time. We we had cast directors all over the world. We had virtual open call happening. I actually traveled the country uh, through the Midwest for three weeks doing like American Idol open call meet and greet status. It was the most draining project I've ever worked on because we were originally on it for 10 weeks. We were contracted for 10 weeks. We were on it for 11 months. Wow. And that is not normal. (laughs) You're like, that's not the ride I thought I signed up for. Yeah. It's your vitality. It's your vitality, your your physical energy. Wow. Wow. What an an experience. So from that, do you have like uh, moving forward, like certain boxes to like ask to prepare you going into something on the contingency of something like that could happen with any project? Well, I don't know if it's like certain boxes, but I do think, you know, for those kinds of projects, you just never know. As I think sort of J.J. Abrams specifically, a lot of the movies that he's directed, he doesn't want to be rushed. And I totally understand that. And so when we, because I worked on Super 8, was my first job in casting period. And that was like jumping in on the deep end of casting uh, as much as possible because as we were doing a global search for these eight, uh, five, five, six kids. And he didn't want anybody that was a recognizable Disney face. Like he wanted fresh talent. 
that is not going to distract you from the story. So this tends to be a theme with him. And, and that movie, we were on it for nine months, which is, again, not common. I mean, you could have had a child by the time we were done <laughs> with the project. So uh, I think we were on it for nine months just looking for the kids. And then we started the adults. But that was a lot faster once we got to the adults. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I think, you know, having the patience and understanding what we're looking for at the beginning of a project and if it's going to be a search and knowing what kind of resources you need to walk into the space with. We were very fortunate with movies like Star Wars and Super 8 and, and uh, Star Trek Into Darkness because they gave us the support that we needed around the world in order to find the right people. I don't know if there's like certain boxes that need to be ticked, but you just sort of go with the flow, honestly. I think that's the big thing. And you, when you're not finding it, you figure out how to pivot and where to look to find it. Mm -hmm. Or it's a matter most of the time, truthfully, uh, it's a matter of going back to the, your first week of casting and seeing those people again. And we usually land somewhere there. Wow. 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 Something I would love to highlight uh, while I'm listening to this, because um, it's the little girl in me that jumps up for, for joy and uh, the person tuning in they may feel this way as well. Like, you know, there's so much pressure from agents and managers like, oh, like you don't have credits or you don't have, you know, a resume or if you don't have representation, you're comparing yourself to someone who has so many things. But you said multiple times in different ways, some of the process is wanting undiscovered people. So there are so many people who are undis undiscovered. So it gives a lot of hope and aspiration for the person who feels like they don't have the resume or the representation that they too can have an opportunity, especially with the virtual world now and being able to submit and especially if they're following you and following, you know, doing the research like you did for a year and a half before you got your big break Just show up every day, you know, and it took you a half a year and a half. But like, there are opportunities. So like, you know, listening to quality podcasts and following uh, the right people and researching and asking questions. But there is hope for the people out there who who aren't known yet. Yes, absolutely. I think that's the big thing right now. There's now even more hope than there used to be, because I feel like we've expanded, we've thrown out, we throw out the net even further as a casting community to see who's out there to educate ourselves. And so I think in the process of like uh, adjusting to this new world post COVID and now post strike, hopefully post strike soon for the actors that, you know, this becomes a more uh, accessible profession that like you don't have to have all of the money to have all of the training. You can ease your way into it by having so like the amount of information and the number of resources that are at our fingertips right now with the internet that did not exist or getting to know casting directors on a social level through the different, uh, you know, social platforms. Those are like actors of the past would dream to have that sort of access point, you know? So I think it's like, as long as you're willing to do the work, do the homework and do that research, like you have so much more than most people start with. And I love how you said um, everything you said, and, and it breaks that invisible wall, because I am an actor of the past where I felt like I couldn't have those interpersonal relationships with casting directors. And look, you're on my show. So it's it's so cool to be able to reach out in that way professionally and to be able to be connected, but not have that fear and intimidation of being a good girl or, you know, following the rules and like, oh, you're, you're going to get in trouble. It's like it's a, it's a business. And 
and, and we're able to communicate in such a way now, which is which is really exciting. So, um, yeah, thank you for sh- sharing all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I also feel like that's a little bit of a generational thing. I feel like that's sort of the people across the table or the gatekeepers. Y- yes, we are gatekeepers to a degree, but it's not in an intentional way to be intimidators. So I think that that's a really big thing that is shifting with my generation of casting directors. I know you spoke to Amanda Lanker Doyle, who is a dear friend of mine. And, you know, she and I and a number of other casting directors in our generation, we don't want this wall in in between us. Like we want to be linked arm in arm. We want to be friends. We want to be able to have an open conversation about what we're looking for. And it's not like a test for actors to figure it out. You know, it shouldn't be because that is a disservice to us and our process if we're making it a really challenging space for actors to be in. I have chills. Yeah, she's so sweet. She's so sweet. It was great having her on the show. We're going to have her back, actually. She's so amazing. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, she said brushstrokes are similar things. And I just really admire you ladies for clearing that communication and making it healthy of that unknown that people don't know about. So I think it's very important and pivotal. So thank you. It's our pleasure. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like it wouldn't be fun if we didn't. Yeah. We yeah. have to enjoy it. <laughs> I, I kind of want to, I didn't know I was going to go in this direction, but I kind of want to like touch on something because, you know, you brought up, um, you know, the ways of resources and social media. And I know like it's everyone's choice and opinion and thought, but, you know, I'm authentic and, and just want to be me. But I did create a Instagram for the podcast because people, when they're on my page, they, they don't want to see a bunch of other people. It's, it's a lot. And I cover different topics. And then like I created one for my music, but, you know, and there's all the bots and the ups and the downs and posting, without a, you know, for you as a casting director, it's all about being authentic. But, you know, when when you're researching, do, do you do some research on social media, like when you're scouting? Yes, I feel like it's not my go-to place to go in terms of finding talent. But like when I stumble upon somebody and someone's making interesting content, I absolutely follow them. Or for another way that I use social media is when I see somebody, like I watch a show and I really like somebody's performance in it, I'll look them up on social media, I'll follow them. Because also for me, it's a little bit of like the recognition of that person. Like I need to see them in my space over and over to remember them for the future. And that was something that was really great for me when we were in person uh, was that, you know, also like I like actual headshot because I needed the face and the name together in order to sort of cement them into my brain. And so when we went virtual, it was harder for me to like really build those connections. But now that we're in like a no in-person space right now, it's all virtual across the board. I I will say it is more challenging. So I have to take, I have to find different ways to stay on the radar, whether it's using IMDb Pro, like the tracking feature or adding people to my lists in there or using social media to just stay in the space of those actors because I know that I will have something eventually that they could be right for and I don't want to forget them. Yeah. Love that. And so where I'm going next, it's highly personal. You know, it's just it's one person's opinion. But I just I just really authentically want to know from you, like when you go to a social media, like, do you just want the person like posting whatever they're into, like no matter what it is? Or would you rather see like one of their social media is like only acting stuff? Or do you want to see palette of who you are? Like that is it's more about your essence, like figuring out who you are authentically and how you can elevate the different characters that we have. But it's like, it's not, I don't, 
I don't look at social media as a way for actors. I've seen actors do this, which is fine, but I don't necessarily look for it for for it to be compartmentalized like that. Like I want to see everything. I want to see your funny stuff. I want to see your crazy stuff. I want to see everything that like is who you are. It's curated anyways. Like you're yeah, curating right. your feed, but right. still. But you want to see like in, in the garden with grandma and that you're a foodie or that like, you know, that you're a DJ or like you yeah. like going out to clubs or you like going to the museum because it, it, it shows the palette of of that essential character, right? So yeah, okay. Yeah, and you know, it's, I really appreciate that because like so many people are have perfectionist syndrome and imposter syndrome and they hire social media teams and yeah. like some, some people are so strict and haven't done like the life work of compassion and- you know, some people haven't done certain things with life work. So people just need the permission and just hear other outlets of being like, you know, human and and, yeah. and hearing it from you, I think uh, really helps um, people tuning in. I think also just like the, sort of uh, the other side of the coin in that way is that this, yes, we want you to be yourself, but like your social media, whether it's private or not, because we know how quickly a screenshot can travel is an extension of your professionalism in some degree. So if you're someone who is on social media causing trouble or being offensive, it's going to be a problem for your career. Don't recommend it. Um, but, you know, I think other than that, like, because we, we're also, there's a little bit of due diligence happening as well, because if we're looking looking at somebody and an actor for a series lead or the lead of a feature, that's a long commitment that we're signing up for with this particular actor. So we want to make sure they're not problematic in this, you know, social sphere because that's yeah. an issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And from my experience growing up from a professional standpoint, it's like if I'm or an actor is up for like a long-term project, you know, and they're, they're seeing like they're, they could be like, they have personal issues, like, you know, going through stuff like the, the people at Fox or the people who are going to hire you on a series, they have families to go home to it's a responsibility and they have to explain themselves to the other executives and the other people and they want there has to be a safe space of professionalism to know that we can rely on you it's it is a responsibility so especially if you're long term with someone because you want to enjoy the process and not like babysitting or taking care of them or wondering if they're going to show up on set or not so yeah yeah definitely Yeah. So, okay. So pivoting in, we, I mean, we have to touch on Bates Motel. So I'm just like highly obsessed. So uh, how, how long did you work on Bates Motel? I'm like, you know, one or two things that you're just like, ah, Bates Motel. Like, I just, honestly, it's one of my favorite casting experiences because the show, the one of the, so Carlton Cuse and Carrie Aaron were the co-showrunners together, but Carrie was sort of like our day to day. She was super engaged because Carlton was running a number of shows at the same time. And She's one of my favorite people. She is, she creates a really collaborative environment. It's super creative. She wants your opinion. So as a casting director, that's like a, a relationship that we so rarely have that someone wants to hear what we think. Um, so it was one of my favorite creative things. And for me, I was on it. I worked on it for the pilot in the first season. And then I worked on The Strain the second season while the second season of Bates was casting. So I wasn't around for for that one. And then I came back the third through the fifth. Mm-hmm. So I, with the exception of one season, I was there the whole run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how much because you're casting it and you're doing all the production. How many times did you actually go to set at the end once? Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, because they were shooting in Vancouver, so it was harder to get there for us. But the first pilot first season and the second season, I want to say I was an associate on the show. And then the fourth and fifth, I was the co-casting director. So I also went through a change during the time that I was 
uh, on the show. So my involvement and because I was ultimately the last few seasons, I was running point on both Bates Motel and The Strain. So it was the, my sort of responsibilities and my creative input was, uh, was way more than it was when it started. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for sharing. So I want to pivot into uh, Tipsy Casting. What is Tipsy Casting? Tipsy Casting is a podcast that uh, I co-host with another casting director named Jennifer Presser. Um, We started it earlier this year in April because of the state of the industry and the state of the casting profession. And there was a bit of a thing that happened with Mary Vernu's office where they were um, offering studio space for actors to rent. That was a huge, there was a big backlash for it. And understandably, there was a reason for the backlash. Um, So those things, sort of an amalgamation of all of those things was the inspiration to start this podcast for us. We've done like 25 episodes. Our goal as the host is to demystify the casting process, to share different experiences, and hopefully answer questions that have been a mystery to most actors through the entire time. (laughs) Because I feel like that's the big thing within the industry is uh, misinformation and lack of information is a big contributor to why actors tend to burn out. So we want to (laughs) help. Love that. Love that. We have a fellow podcaster on the show. How neat. This is going to air in October. So you're listening right now. We're in October, but really it's Friday, September 29th. And tomorrow is National Podcaster Day. (laughs) I didn't know that. We're such newbies. We're figuring it out as we go, but it's been so much fun. So much fun. Well, I started my podcast in 2019 before the pandemic. And in the second season, we became top 5% out of 3 million podcasts. And then season four, we got in the top 1.5% out of 4 million podcasts. So because of the pandemic, there's a a million more podcasts. So, you know, side sidebar, we can have a separate conversation. I can teach you certain like hacks and things like that as an independent podcaster. If you want to like chat or something. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do do a virtual (laughs) coffee or who knows, meet up in person we'll, we'll see are you in LA you're in LA right I'm in California right now oh great yeah 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 so I I just do one <laughs> way back and forth I live in New York LA and Detroit I have my little girl dreams right if someone is listening right now I have my little girl dreams writing them down and I have this like a uh, walk-in closet and in the pandemic I built a state-of-the-art voiceover booth in Michigan from my walk-in closet I can be anywhere in the world I'm going out for all these projects and I brought Hollywood to my home and you know everything's full circle you know it's you know I have a condo in New York I, I'm in LA I just go one way everywhere because of our virtual world so those are some of the perks of you know being in 2023 before the pandemic since we're on this topic thinking of now of like how the industry is and when we started like what's something that's like you're like oh we don't do that anymore like this is how it was and well you kind of mentioned it with the virtual headshot so that's one but like how it was then and uh, what's different now like Ooh. I guess we'll start with that one there's so much there's so yeah. much different I mean uh, like the in the room experience is my favorite thing and it's it's so minimal right now so that's the hardest part I think but yeah I think the submission process has changed drastically we used to get like uh, hard copy submissions and then that went uh, virtual and digital and then uh, th- we used to have meetings with like sort of uh, different agencies we would work with consistently we would go to their offices or they would come to ours and they would pitch us the ideas of 
who on their client list and like bring all their staff. Uh, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, and uh, and now we don't. We're you know it's all self tapes and we're zooming and figuring out how we're going to work this thing out. And I think the other thing that there's, even though so much has changed sort of post pandemic of figuring out how to continue this business and casting process through a pandemic and how that's changed everything. I think, you know, the strikes, the SAG strike, which I'm hoping will be resolved by the end of next week, fingers crossed. Um, But like, that's going to change things too, because the volume will likely change. The language in the interim agreement as it relates to casting is going to dictate how we do our jobs and how you submit to our jobs, because there's conversations about platforms, like, are you going to be able to use casting networks? Are you going to be able to use Breakdown Express. So there's so many questions that we don't have answers to. And it's absolutely going to change the way that we function. I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah, hopefully more organization. I've been I have been on a lot of the town hall meetings and stuff. And I think it's great on my end. And, and maybe you feel the same because if, I, if I'm rehearsing and preparing all this information, then the other side of it is, you know, a casting director, uh, you know, watching it. So, you know, there's going to be language where you can't get 24 pages in, yes. in a pre-read or 12 pages. I think it's like five max, which is takes so much pressure off as an actor because we're not human human robots, we're human beings. And then you're human beings. So on your side, you won't have to like, hopefully I'll cut the energy and time of like watching so much because it'll be more quality work for you to be able to uh, look at the, the, our, I want to say self tapes, but they're like self digitals. Um, yeah. That's like uh, one thing. So I, hopefully it brings us coming together, gives us less stress to be more organized and Instead of like seeing 5,000 talent, you're, you know, seeing 50 or you're seeing however, so it's more quality over quantity to be more organized within our industry with all these different, you know, outlets. I think that it's definitely there's I don't know what ever what reason we needed to have actors do 24 pages or 15 pages of dialogue. That is ridiculous for the first call. Like, I'm so happy that that's being addressed. I'm, I'm so happy that like turnaround time is being addressed because some of the stuff that I've seen my friends have to do as actors is just unnecessary. So I have a, a deep appreciation and, and empathy for the actor's journey because a lot of my friends are actors. The quantity thing is a little bit tricky because it ends up being part of this conversation that we as an industry are trying to offer accessibility like equitable access to this industry, right? So part of it is that we want to be able to throw the net out further and to give people who maybe didn't have access to the industry before a shot at doing this. So the there are a lot of arguments right now of, you know, which I understand the frustrations from an actor's perspective of like feeling that you're lost in the void because they're seeing so many people. But that's also part of the progress that we're trying to make as an industry, right? To make sure that the stories that we're telling and the worlds that we're building look like the worlds that we're living in. So it's one of these things that it's like you can't have it both ways. You have to decide what is the most important factor here. And we do our best to make sure that actors feel supported in those opportunities that they get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well said, well said. So people can um, tune into Tipsy Casting. The It will be in the show notes. I'm already following on the Instagram. So there is an Instagram, you know, learn more about it. So yeah, great. Great for sharing. Uh, let's pivot into a cause for entertainment. What is a cause for entertainment? A cause for entertainment is uh, an organization that is near and dear to my heart. I started it in 2015, I believe. We are a one 100% volunteer 
volunteer based organization. No one takes any money home from it unless it's a vendor that we can negotiate for free. Um, and we raise awareness and funds to support women and their families who are facing a breast cancer diagnosis. So um, before I started this organization, I did the Avon Walk for Breast Cancer for like six straight years. I loved the experience. I would raise like $18,000 every time I would do it because there's a minimum of having to raise a certain amount of, I think maybe it's like 5,000, but I was able to get more. Um, and so I loved being there, but I sort of started to realize through that journey that a lot of these big organizations that are doing such great work, they're raising a lot of money, but a lot of the money ends up going to operational cost, right? You, you, there's a sort of a percentage that they give to the people that are in need, but a lot of it is just to sustain the machine. The last year that I did the walk, I destroyed my feet and I couldn't do it again. And so at the time, Avon had a DIY option. I, I totally misspoke. The last time when I would do the Avon walk, I would raise $4,500, not 18000 And then when I did this DIY event, because I couldn't walk and I was just coming off of Star Wars. So I had Lucasfilm people in my back pocket. I had Bad Robot in my back pocket. So I started doing outreach and asking if they would donate memorabilia or like meetings or whatever it is. And so they started getting really involved, not really involved, they donated things and I auctioned them off. I had like a little event in Hollywood on um, at the next door lounge in Hollywood. And it was a really wonderful event. We sold out for 250 people. That year we raised $18,000 the first year. And when I realized sort of the difference that I can do of like raising $4,500 every year or being able to start start something significant and make an impact, I chose that route. So I started a nonprofit called A Cause for Entertainment. We are a very small organization, homegrown, local to LA. Uh, We are uh, industry fueled. And the goal is to find the smaller boots on the ground organizations that are doing the day-to-day work and support them, write them a check at the end of the the day. We've worked with WeSpark Cancer uh, Community Support Center, which is here in Sherman Oaks. Uh, We worked for many years with Dr. Susan in love, the late Dr. Susan Love, she recently passed. Uh, for the last six years, we've worked with the most remarkable woman. Her name is Shay Sharp, and she her organization is called Shay Sharp's Pink Wishes. She's based out of Maryland. She does the most incredible work. She started as a breast cancer survivor at the age of 26. She was a two-time survivor by 36. She realized there are not resources for women who are being diagnosed early and earlier. She was told when she was uh, found a lump and, you know, uh, when she went to the doctor, the doctor told her she is too young to get breast cancer. It's nothing. You're too young. If she wasn't her own advocate, she would not be here today. Mm -hmm. So there's a lesson to all of us there. But um, so she started her organization to create resources for younger women who are being diagnosed with breast cancer, you know, new moms, like this whole, basically from 18 to I think 50 is her age range originally. And when she first started it, it was only to have basically sort of like make a wish foundation that like women who were diagnosed terminally, she would sort of grant their last wishes, essentially. But the beautiful thing about her was that and this is an ongoing thing is that once these if these women were to pass, she would basically become like the godmother to their children. And she would make sure that they wanted for nothing in 
terms of like school supplies, holidays, birthdays, any life milestones, she took care of them like they were her own. Mm. And that has now expanded. She's granted wishes in Canada. She's 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 done so much great work. She supports women that are going through their journeys. You need money for daycare. Do you need money for parking, for gas? Because we don't think about when someone goes in for chemo, they got to pay for parking. They got to pay for all these little things. And so we work with her in order to be able to support her daily needs as much as possible. And we've worked with her for this, I think is our sixth year with her coming up. And uh, next year, 2024, we will be celebrating our 10th anniversary. So it's wow. like, there's a lot of little milestones coming up, which I'm really excited to celebrate, especially now we haven't had an in-person event. We used to host like a big uh, in-person fundraiser in LA every year up until COVID essentially. And we haven't been back in person since. So we're very excited for next year. Oh yeah, it's going to be so special. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And then we also host a, a big charity buzz auction. We, we're going to have to probably push it a little bit just because of the strikes. But our uh, charity buzz stuff is usually centered around the industry that people uh, different production companies donate, they donate professional meetings, pitch meetings, general meetings. So uh, it's very industry fueled and centric. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I just love, you know, just in brushstrokes of just hearing and listening, like your ambition, your interests, going for it, the quality of your choices seeing what's there, and then being an entrepreneur, taking it into your own hands and starting something from the ground up, and then leveraging your relationships in a way that makes an impact. Because, you know, in life, I know I've struggled with this. Sometimes you don't know how to leverage relationships, or people tell you you're selfish, or they people will try to judge someone like when, when we're judging other people, we're just judging ourselves, you know, when we're projecting something on other people, you know, and everyone has their own journey. So when someone's tuning into this, it, it could be something else that touches their heart like this personally touches your heart for multiple reasons. But you watch, you know, 10 years, I mean, but you shared of like how it started, you were, uh, you were attached to something that was bigger than you, but you were following your intention and your intuition and something that was in your palate. And then after growing through that experience, you started your own thing. Like in casting, you tried to get in the door and then you got in the door and then you started your own thing. So, you know, it's really important, you know, in 2023 nowadays that, you know, we make the quality choices to be around, you know, intentional people and situations that attune to our vibration, be a part of it, see all the rules, have the experience, and then maybe like you start something of your own. If you're not seeing what you want, or like, you know, like you said, your your feet were kaput, you know, you pivoted. And you mentioned earlier pivoting, and that's how our industry is. And that's how life is being able to pivot, you know, and, and we grow and learn through those experiences. So I think this is very impactful for people to hear. Yeah, I think there's always many reasons to not do things. It's very easy to not do. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's so fulfilling and worthwhile you, when you have something of your own, whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's a 
business. I mean, I even I during COVID, I started my own little Etsy shop because I had to find some sort of creative outlet for my Etsy shop. It's specific, like casting centric as well. <laughs> but it's you know, it that's I think that's the thing. It's like finding something that speaks to you and and just diving in head first as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. I would love to see the Etsy shop. I need to buy something and support. <laughs> <laughs> it's called castinglifeaway.com. Cast- <laughs> okay. I'll put it in the show notes and, and look you. it up for sure. Um, yeah. No, because I mean, um, I know Etsy, right? And then there's Artsy for like art. Oh. And I know. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And I've been wanting, you know, for a long time, Artsy to put things up on Artsy. And I haven't done it yet. But it's like, sometimes when you hear someone's story like this, you set a date, you're like, I'm going to do it. Even if it's one thing, just start the account, make it happen. So, you know, hopefully people tuning in here, this have brushstrokes of inspiration to just take one step, one step at a time. You know, I kind of want to just, you know, pivot into, if I may, like the psychology of your entrepreneurial skills, um, listening to your own tuition, and then the kind of people you surround yourself with, like a go to person, because sometimes people don't feel like they can be vulnerable and communicate. So in a healthy way, how do you communicate? Or who did you go to to, you know, we can't doesn't mean just because you want to do something it means you have to do it, right? We, we get to have people be involved and help us along the way. And I'm, I'm sure you don't know how to do this and do this. I'm sure you know how to do certain things, but the things you didn't know how to do, like, did you have resources or you found resources? Like, how did you reach out to connect the dots to say, hey, this is my vision, my passion. I need help in this area for someone who maybe is in that in between of not knowing to bridge the connections. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of it is foundational. I was very lucky to, uh, I don't know if I said it earlier, but my parents are from Ukraine. And so they are a very, as immigrants, I think they work so, so hard to this day. They've built businesses. They've, you know, to see them put their blood, sweat and tears into um, sustaining their family and doing whatever they had to do to make sure that we, not even comfortable, but like that we had the necessities because they came from a communist country. They, they, They came from the Soviet Union before it collapsed. So they didn't, they were waiting in bread lines. They were doing all these things that they didn't want their children to have to. So they broke their backs when they had a family here in order to provide for us. And that was something that was ingrained in me growing up because like I would help with the family business. We were, we had, and they still have a driving school. So I would answer the phones during summer vacation and like wherever I could help, I was helping. So that work ethic was, it's part of my blood, you know, it was, it's who I am. So that I think is a big part of it. And now sort of moving into different ventures is we have to, I feel like I'm, and you're probably the same, the last generation that didn't have uh, internet and cell phones, like from the time they were born. <laughs> so um, I think that we're part of a very unique moment in in uh, sort of the generational landscape, Just being so grateful for the resources that are in front of us and embracing them as much as possible. And, you know, so when I was interested in the industry to break into it, I looked up every possible field. I remember there was when Samuel French was still around in LA, I would go 
and I bought like the 411 book and it has like every profession in the industry and like everybody involved in it. And it was a really expensive book. <laughs> and so like I basically took uh, like the casting section or the international distribution section and I started doing cold calls and cold submissions or I think it was like uh, entertainmentcareers.net was like the biggest place before LinkedIn exist, existed. So, you know, finding those resources, trying to bridge that gap just with people who are willing to be kind and uh, pay it forward is the biggest thing. And that's something that I do now that is really important to me because someone extended that courtesy to me as like, let me help you train. Let me help you do this. Let me introduce you to these people because you need to know these people if you want to do X, Y, and Z. So like that is part of my ethos and my philosophy as, as a professional is like, you have to be open to help because you, first of all, you're building your karma. I'm a big believer in that. And you always want to be the person that is there to support and that you know that you have a community that is ready to back you up when you need it. And that's, I think that's the biggest part of LA is you need community. You need it. Yeah. Well said. Oh, the old saying of uh, you have a great head on your shoulders. I just have to. Oh, geez. Wow. I mean, seriously, like <laughs> good you. people, good people in, within and without all the way around. Cool. In conclusion, uh, any last words of wisdom? Oh, maybe a favorite book or two uh, that you want to share with the person tuning in? Does it have to be industry related? Not uh, at all. <laughs> I am obsessed with Colleen Hoover. I don't know if you know who she is, but she's fantastic. She has a great book called Verity that is like a, a little bit of a suspense and she does it so beautifully. She's uh, she's had a couple of, of her books adapted into films and series and she's one of my faves. But um, I highly recommend Verity. As far as last words of wisdom, I think the thing that we all need to remind ourselves is to be kind to ourselves and to just know that there's no set time frame to achieve certain things, especially right now where we're all sort of figuring it out together. Just, just be patient. Yeah, love that. Um, Verity, I, I wrote it down. It's on airplane mode, but uh, Libby, L-I-B-B-Y. It's uh, an app and it's connected to the public library. Yeah. Um, like a walking, talking billboard for Libby because it's free education. You can download up to 30 audiobooks per month or ebooks. <laughs> Yay. We got a friend in the house. Yay. Two friends. They're very loud. Yeah. <laughs> they know the vibes. They know the vibes. Yeah. Come here. Taxi. I have a five and my own and so he's very vocal because he's a big dog he's getting his co-star cameo right now <laughs> come, here. come here tux do you ever hire uh real animal voices for uh shows no i've no i've never done that because you mentioned like sometimes doing uh voiceover casting directors for tv shows for some projects yeah so <laughs> we, yeah we haven't had any of that but it, like we had to do uh for willow we had to find somebody who uh, uh, was like Willow's compadre growing up or something. They were old friends. And so that was like a voice. It was supposed to be like a mystic voice. Mm. And for like sort of like the final villain of the series. Uh, and then for, uh, I don't know if you know Robin Atkin Downs. Do you know Robin? Mm 
He's like a big video game guy. He's a very talented voiceover actor, but he was our, we repped him when I worked at the voiceover agency. So I knew how talented he was. And so he was our master in the strain. He was our voice. Mm. He's fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Wonderful. Jessica Sherman, thank you so much for your time saying yes, showing up, being here with me. It was so impactful. And I moved. I'm so inspired. I'm filled up within my heart and my soul. And I know the person tuning in is going to feel the same. So thank you so much again. I really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. It's been, it was very nice uh, having this wonderful conversation. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for tuning in again, because if you were in the top 2% out of almost 4 million podcasts, please share this with at least one person on social media and definitely look at the show notes so you can learn more about Jessica and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Kiriaki, over and out. Mm-hmm. <laughs>